The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. We want to start off by thanking our new patrons. May Davey, Angela F. Mather, Molly Bradley, Chelsea Ware, Stagbones, Scott Hanning, Shireen Phillips, Althea Wiley, Dana Trevino, Emily Roberts, Dana, Elizabeth Atwater, Jennifer Gilbert, Shelley Cleveland, Rory from Sassafras Cast, Celia Christians Dodier Winstrom, Courtney, Honey Badger, Shana West, Sophie Myers, Megan Swanson, Laura Bailey, and Katie Joe Britt. We couldn't do this without you. Our patrons get a second episode of 13 delivered directly to their patron-only RSS feed. They get access to a patron-only Discord server, where they can chat with us and other fans of the show. Bloopers, weekly updates, and more. Today is part two of our five-part September-October series. If you don't want to wait week to week for the rest of the story, the entire thing is up now on Patreon. Find us at patreon.com slash 13pod. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, email us at info at 13podcast.com and put story submission in the subject line. You can find our submission guidelines on our website, 13podcast.com. Look for a link in the show notes. In this episode, you'll hear Nate DeFort, L. Woolery, and Dustin Parsons. Nate is a voice actor all over the audio drama world. Find him at My Neighbors Are Dead, Unspookable, and Reach, a space podcast for kids. Follow or subscribe wherever you're listening right now, or look for a link in the show notes. Okay, are you ready? Curl up and get comfy. Turn the lights down. And now, on with the show. The night that the power went out, I was so exhausted, I fell right to sleep despite the angry grumbles of thunder and bright lights from the storm outside. When I woke up the next morning, the power was back on. My alarm clock was flashing all zeros, waiting to be reset. These little episodes have been happening all summer. I'd have these awful nightmares, or like last night, intrusive thoughts or visions. My face mismatched in the mirror. That fantasy about Cam stuck with me through the rest of the weekend. Both parts of it. The desire and the fear. It was all so vivid. I hadn't told anyone that I could do little things like controlling smoke with my concentration. That was new, too. I wasn't even sure that it was me doing it. It didn't work all the time, but I didn't dare tell anyone about it. I knew what they'd think. 
Besides, if Emily Hart finds out, it's only a matter of time before Miss Hart hears about it. And she'll tell Youth Pastor Tom. It's not malicious. She'll do it out of concern. But I don't want to end up in another prayer meeting. But maybe that's what I need. After all, if there was something demonic or satanic going on, if I'm being attacked for my faith, I put the thought away. I'm not going to risk all of the embarrassment over something that might not even be real. Later that week, after school, Val and I were at the church working on one of the sets for the walk through hell. Cam was with the boys, goofing off while they were supposed to be building the walls of the maze. Val caught me looking again, and I just asked her outright, do you think that God counts fantasies as sin? I knew the answer. The Bible treats lust and sex as basically the same thing. But I was still shaken by that vision of the man in black in the sanctuary. I needed to get it off my chest, and Val was my best friend. Ooh, I don't know. Why? I hadn't thought about what I was going to say next, and I knew she was going to make it a big deal. But I did it anyway. She was a little taken back by my silence and changed the subject. Is everything okay? Wait, have you been having naughty thoughts about Cam? I tried to shush her without anyone noticing. Just go talk to him before someone else does. I see him look over here sometimes. I bet he has the same kind of thoughts about you. Ew, gross. He's a boy, they all do it. Just then, Cam looked our way and I was mortified. He saw us looking at him and giggling. I'm sure my face was bright red. Relax, he can't hear us all the way over there. You know what? Watch, it's this easy. Val stood up and started walking toward the boys and Cam. Stop, what are you doing? I watched Val cross the room. She waved to get Cam's attention and he broke away from the other boys and did a little jog to meet her halfway. I saw her whisper something in his ear. It all happened in slow motion. There was a look of recognition on his face. Then he looked over and found me. My jaw dropped open and my vision went red with humiliation. Was she actually doing what I thought she was doing? When he saw that I was watching, he turned away fast. I was in shock. She started walking back over to me and I turned around. I couldn't even look at her. I heard her footsteps approach and I was about to walk away. When I realized that the footsteps were far too heavy to be Val. I looked over my shoulder and Cam was right there. Hey, um, Val said we should probably get to work on putting the braces together for the cave. I didn't say anything for a moment. My heart was beating against my ribs, but that was still because I was mad at Val. I hadn't even adjusted to Cam's presence yet. I realized that I hadn't answered and I was just staring. 
I can get the stuff up high and you can do the bottom if you want. I snapped out of my stupor and spoke up. Look, I'm so sorry. I don't know what she told you, but she's just messing around. He looked away for a moment. Why did I say that? What if he actually does like me? He was still looking off to the side when he spoke again. You know, if she wasn't messing around, I'd be okay with that. I think it'd be cool. I realized in that moment that no one had ever told me that they liked me. I could tell when they did, but no one had actually said it. And I guess, technically, he didn't say it either. But I think that counts. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I can help you out. Cool. Uh, let me finish up this piece and I'll meet you over there. This is Youth Group Code. Cam and I can't be seen walking out of the youth wing together. People will talk. They'll probably even follow and spy on us. So I kept an eye on the group of boys and waited for him to break away and go to the old part of the church. Soon, Cam got up and started down the hallway, presumably to wait for me, and then we'd work on the hell cave and talk. What would we even talk about? Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Val coming back over. She had an I told you so look on her face. I was still mad at her. What she did was a huge betrayal. See, I told you. I didn't respond. Instead, I stood up and walked in the same direction that Cam had gone. Really? How are you mad about this? My mind was on fire the whole way there. Was this even something I wanted? I mean, in one sense, I definitely wanted it. But in another, it could mess up our whole friendship forever. What if he started to get to know me better and then he realized he didn't like me after all? We've been friends for a long time, but it's different when it's romantic. At least that's what I've heard. I wouldn't know. The sounds of the other youth group kids faded behind me. As I got closer to where the cave would be, I started talking myself out of it. I was going to go over and tell him that Val was messing around, that this was a misunderstanding, that I didn't really have feelings for him, whatever I had to say to make things go back to normal. But when I turned the next corner, Cam was waiting, leaning against the wall, looking anxious and adorable and and I melted. I was about to ask where he wanted to start. The whole cave portion hadn't even been touched yet. But just then, he walked toward me and grabbed my face with both of his hands. He leaned in, he pressed his lips against mine, and I froze. His hands on my face squeezed tighter than I would have liked. But even so, my breath caught in my chest, and I felt butterflies. I realized that I hadn't been kissing him back, so I started moving my lips in time with his. He put his arms around my waist, like we were at a high school dance. I didn't know what to do with my hands, so I kept them at my sides. We kissed for a minute longer, and I was starting to let myself go. 
get out of my head and just get lost in the moment. And then I heard something down the hall. It was the faint rhythm of footsteps. Cam and I broke apart as soon as we registered the sound and we pretended to be working. A few moments later, youth pastor Tom came around the corner. Hey guys, what are we doing down here? Cam spoke first. Just getting started with the frame for the cave. Before we finish the maze? Oh, uh, does that come first? Yeah, we need to secure the outside of the wall to the maze or the whole thing will slump. I thought you worked on this last year. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, must have forgot. Why don't we go on back over with the others? We'll get back to the cave sometime next week. Cam gave me a quick look, and then we started toward the fellowship hall. That's when Youth Pastor Tom called out my name. Hey, Caitlin, hang back for a second. That's me. I'm Caitlin. I cringed. My hands started to tremble and my chest sank. I thought I might actually cry. My lips still felt tingly and I wondered if they looked different. Could he tell? Look, it's no big deal. You're not in any trouble. I just want to check in with you. You and Cam, you've been friends for longer than I've known either of you. And Cam is a great kid. But you're at an age where you really have to keep your guard up against temptation. It can be dangerous hanging out with boys alone. Even if you go into it with a completely pure heart, sometimes our bodies can betray us. Even when we have the most innocent of intentions. I was barely listening. I was mostly thinking about how I wanted to kill Val. Boys your age, they're unpredictable. They can't control themselves. And sometimes that can rub off on the girls too. He put his hand on my shoulder. When you get to be my age, men tend to calm down. They're more in control of themselves. They know how to treat women with respect. There was a long pause until I realized I was supposed to say something. We were just working on the cave. We weren't trying to sneak off or anything. It came out way too defensive, and I knew it. I believe you. Let's get back over with the others. He took his hand off of my shoulder and walked back to the youth wing with me. When I came back through the double doors with Youth Pastor Tom, everyone was trying to act like they weren't looking at us. I spotted Val across the room, by the set we'd been building. She had a look that was some combination of concern and pity. Cam was back with the group of boys. He didn't look up when I came in. I had dueling desires to run to Val for comfort and to slap her as hard as I could. But instead, I ducked into the bathroom. And once inside, I locked the door and let the tears come boring out. I did my best not to sob, to stay silent. I'm not sure how much time passed. When the tears finally stopped, I stood up and took a look at myself in the mirror. How obvious were my puffy face and red eyes going to be? Ugh, they were bad. I closed my eyes and splashed water on my face, 
When I opened them up and checked the mirror again, my face, it didn't match my expression. I watched as a big, menacing smile curled up on the edges of my lips. I closed my eyes and I took a deep breath. And when I opened them again, it was just me. Scared, pitiful me. And that's the story of my first kiss. The next morning, my doorbell rang. I rolled my eyes and hesitated before going to the door. I'd been dreading this moment as I laid awake all night long, watching my ceiling fan in the dark. Val stood on the porch. She looked anxious, too. Last night, after everything had happened, I left the church without saying anything. We walked in silence for a little while, before Val spoke up. Okay, look, I'm really sorry. I had no right to do that. I just thought, I've seen the way he looks at you, and I thought I would just help the process along. I didn't say anything right away. I mean, you guys did kiss, right? I felt the color drain from my face. Don't worry. He just told me and, like, one of the other boys. We were the last ones to leave. He told you? Come on, it was cute. He felt so bad about the way it happened. The way you had to walk back in there by yourself. Youth Pastor Tom really didn't think that through. Was she enjoying this? I asked exactly what Cam said. I don't know, just that you all kissed for a minute before you got interrupted. He couldn't go talk to you when you came back in, or it would be obvious. He felt awful that he couldn't. That's why he was getting it off his chest. I felt some of the weight start to lift off of my own chest. I'd been so upset that he ignored me afterward, but maybe he was just as scared as I was. She's right. If he came over and talked to me again... Whatever doubts were in Youth Pastor Tom's mind about what we'd been doing would be gone. And he might have to notify our parents. Maybe this wasn't the catastrophe I thought it was. Maybe Cam wasn't blowing me off. I'd see him at school today and feel it out. If nothing else, we could just call it a mistake and go back to being friends. But maybe, maybe he still liked me. I didn't have to wait long. Here's the thing about rumors. A lot of times, the people they're about are the last ones to hear them. I walked into the cafeteria and scanned the room to find Cam. I found him, we met eyes for just a moment, and then he looked away. No wave, no smile. It was like he didn't know me. Val saw me coming and intercepted me. She pulled me back into the hallway outside the cafeteria. She looked serious, and Val was never serious. That's when she told me that everyone knew about me and Cam. Except, Cam had told it wrong. 
She told me that everyone thought that I tried to kiss him and he tried to stop me, and that youth pastor Tom had come around just in time before I tried to do something else. I was speechless. Cam had been waiting for me in the old church hallway. He grabbed me and held my face in his hands. He definitely started it, and he was definitely into it. Don't worry, I'm gonna fix this. I was mad at her all over again. Mad at her for telling him that I liked him. She was also the only person who believed me. What was I going to do now? That day felt like it went on forever. No one mentioned it to me the whole day, only Val. But they didn't need to. All of my friends acted weird, like they were walking on eggshells around me. The one thing I wanted to do after school was go to the youth wing of the church like I normally do. I didn't want to see anyone, and most of all, I didn't want to see Cam. I don't know why he would do this. Actually, that's not true. I know exactly why he did it. He got caught, he was embarrassed that it was me, so he lied. I hated him and I hated myself. Instead of going to church after school, Val and I walked home. Maybe it's not that bad after all. People probably don't even believe it. You've got a reputation, you know. I mean in a good way. I gave her a look. Maybe they believe it now, but they'll realize he's lying. Once anyone has a second to think about it, what makes more sense? A boy lying about a girl or the most Christian girl in school suddenly turns into a slut? The word hit me like a knife in the chest. Is that really what people are saying? No, no, I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry, I'm so mad I can't even talk straight. As we approached my house, we saw Amy, Raven, and another girl whose name I didn't know. They were sitting on Amy's porch while Raven smoked a cigarette. Hey, Caitlin, you're more hardcore than I thought you were. I don't even know if I could do it in a church. So much for not everyone knowing. Val shot back. Why don't you go worship the devil or whatever you do? Maybe we will. I walked ahead, not wanting to get pulled into their shouting match. When we got back to my house, we hung out in the basement until Val's mom got home. I stood on the porch and watched as she walked the whole way, just so that she wasn't alone. There was a killer on the loose after all. Before she left, she said something to me. I know you're mad at me and you're not going to say anything about it because you're just like that. I get it. But I'm going to fix this. I feel terrible. I promise. I'm going to fix this. Okay? Two things happened over the weekend. The first was that Cam called to apologize. He said that Val told him how torn up I was over this, and he felt awful. He said that when he got back to the youth side of the building, it was obvious that youth pastor Tom had caught us. 
People were asking questions and he panicked. He said he felt terrible. He knew it was wrong and he was going to start making it right Monday and tell people that he made it up. I guess this was Val's way of fixing it. I told him that I forgave him even though I didn't really mean it. Christians are supposed to forgive and I was sure that eventually I would. So it wasn't really a lie. But I wasn't there yet. I couldn't shake the word that Val used on that walk home. Slut. She said that everyone knew that I wouldn't do that and they'd come around. But hadn't I dreamed about that exact thing? Cam and I, in the church? The Bible treats lust and sex as basically the same. And the world wants to teach us that it's okay. I couldn't shake the feeling that I'd brought this on myself. I should have done more to control myself. Control my thoughts. Sin is incremental after all. You give in a little bit at a time until it starts feeling normal. And then you give in a little more. It's how spiritual warfare works. It's how the world tries to pull you away from God. I knew the rumors were a lie, and so did Valerie. But who knows what the rest of the school would think, what the rest of my friends would think, even if Cam did tell the truth. Maybe this was a wake-up call. A new resolve came over me. I wasn't going to let myself get into this situation again. The second thing to happen that weekend They found the body of the second girl who went missing, the one who left her friends at a bonfire. Her car was found in the middle of a one-lane country road. Engine running, lights on, driver's side door open. So far, the Tri-City Killer had operated in the towns around ours. She went missing from the next county over. But they found her in my town. He'd finally made his way here. I don't know if Cam actually made good on his promise to do the right thing. To tell the truth that he'd embellished his story. But it didn't matter. After the killer paid our town a visit, no one was talking about me anymore. On Monday, the group walking to church after school stayed close together. Normally, we were spread out in clusters of two and three, but not anymore. We looked through the windshield at every car and truck that passed, checking to see if they looked out of place. There were fewer of us, too. Some of the parents started picking up their kids straight from school. With fewer of us at church after school, we were at risk of falling behind on the schedule of the construction of Walk Through Hell. We were even further behind after the boys spent a whole afternoon helping the head pastor rearrange the stage in the new sanctuary. I heard it took four boys, including Cam, to move that big heavy altar. I also heard that Cam almost broke a bone in his foot when it slipped out of his grip. Me and Val were determined to stay on schedule with the walk through hell. The youth side of the building emptied out earlier than usual. When the adults left the church office side of the building at five, we had the whole place to ourselves. Cam left early, and I was supposed to go home at five, but my dad was running late. Val told me that if I wanted to leave with Emily Hart, I could, 
but we weren't supposed to leave anyone alone. The doors were locked and could only be opened by the push bars on the inside. It was safe there, but still. Besides, we were falling behind schedule. Now that fall was approaching, it was getting dark earlier. A car's headlights swept through the windows of the big youth room. The sun was almost down. I'd called my dad from the church phone in the fellowship hall and told him we were going to work for a couple more hours. We were almost finished with the final set for the opening scene of the show. Building these sets was the most time-consuming part of preparing for the walk through hell. Everything else went fast by comparison. Our parents would be expecting us to call soon to be picked up. Val was putting the finishing touches on one of the party house sets when I heard something. Did you hear that? I don't hear anything. I think I hear someone at the window. It's probably nothing. Come on, what if someone needs to get in? What if it's the killer? I gave her a look and she laughed it off and told me I was being too serious. We went to the door where the kids came in after school. It was a big glass door. You can see in every direction. There was no one there. See, it's all in your head. It was getting late. I gathered our supplies and carried them back to the storage room in the office wing. I asked Val if she wanted to come with me to the other side of the building to put everything away. She said she was going to stay behind and clean up our mess. I'll be finished by the time you get back. I had my arms full as I walked. It was fine until I got to the end of the youth wing and pushed open one of the double doors in the old part of the building. Over here, all the lights were off. I flipped the switch, but even in the bright fluorescent light, something felt eerie. The metal door clunked shut behind me, echoing out in the old building. I wasn't afraid, more like anxious as I made my way across the old building, past the old sanctuary, down the hall where kids' Sunday school classrooms lined each side of the corridor. The church library nestled between the classrooms, the doorways all dark as I passed by. As I passed the big glass doors in the old church hallway, the sky was pink and orange and the sunset was receding over the horizon. The office hallway was dark too. It was the oldest part of the building. When I got to the new adult wing of the church, I put everything in the storage room. I could hear the music coming from the sanctuary, where they play worship music around the clock to bless the space. I walked in and sat down on the furthest pew back, dead center, at the back of the big room. Behind the stage, there was this big cross over the baptistry and a light shining down from the ceiling. At the front of the stage, there was the big altar and the candles, the eternal light they were almost the only light in the room. I glanced up at the tech balcony, remembering the fantasy I'd had a couple of weeks ago. 
Looking down from up there, Cam's hands all over me. It had turned me on then, but now it felt gross. The thought of him touching me or kissing me made my skin crawl. That memory was all it took for me to start moving back toward the youth side of the building, back toward Val and safety. As much as I hated to admit it, I felt safer with her than anywhere else. I found myself speeding up and looking over my shoulder. I turned off the lights as I went, making my way back. My mind wandered to that man in black I'd seen in my vision. I reminded myself, I'm safe here. This is sacred ground. The doors are locked. No one can get in. As I arrived back in the fellowship hall, the sun was all but set. I hadn't seen or heard Val on the way in. I looked for her, but I didn't see her. The area around the set we'd been building was clean. Val had finished cleaning up like she said. Val? Nothing. Valerie! I checked the bathrooms, but she wasn't there. I started feeling adrenaline rushing under my skin. I went to look out the glass doors in the youth wing. Maybe her mom's car was there and waiting for me. I turned the corner to get to the doors. And that's when I saw it. The glass doors where I'd heard the tapping. The ones that were supposed to stay locked. They were cracked open. I felt panic like I'd never felt before. My chest roiled and every cell in my body had two competing impulses. Freeze and run. I was stuck in that indecision for only a moment until I heard something behind me. I ran straight out the cracked double doors out into the night. I ran like my life depended on it. Tears streamed down my face. There was a car parked on the side of the road that ran alongside the church parking lot. A man smoking behind the driver's seat gawked in horror as I passed, clearly reading the terrified expression on my face. Hey kid, are you okay? I reached the top of the hill in front of a gas station and a cluster of fast food restaurants. It was a well-lit area, surrounded by people. I'd be fine here. I'd be safe here. I looked down the hill toward the sprawling church building. The lights were still on in the youth side of the building, spilling out of the windows and into the neighborhood that surrounded it. I caught my breath and stared. Tears were still falling down my cheeks, but I was regaining my composure. Just before I was about to go inside the gas station and ask to use the phone, I watched as all at once, the lights in the church went out.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of 13. If you like what you heard, stop what you're doing and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. This was The Fall of 98 Part 2, A Dark and Cavernous Place, written by Ian Epperson. Narrated by me, Brooke Jeanette. Val is Shelby Scott. Youth Pastor Tom is Ian Epperson. Cam is Dustin Parsons. Raven is L. Woolry. Music editing and sound design by Kayla Ritchie, with a major assist from Josiah Knight and Bridget Howard. Our producer-level patrons are Rick Linville, Tattooed Fox, Rhiannon, Sean Geary, Anthony Diaz, Paul Doyle, Amy Harper, Delta Tango, Jackie Kay, Taylor Crabb, and Chantel Payne. Thank you so much for your support. Our patrons get access to an exclusive Discord channel to chat with the creators and a second monthly reading. Merch, bloopers, behind-the-scenes content, and weekly updates on the show. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at some version of 13pod or pod13. Just look for the logo. We'll have links in the show notes. If you'd like to submit a story to be performed on the show, or if you'd like to contact us about anything else, get in touch at info at 13podcast.com. You can find that in the show notes too. Bridget Howard is watching you from down the hall. Thanks for listening. See you on the 27th.